you're listening to Witch Wednesdays, a semi-weekly podcast source for all things witchcraft in the modern world. Join your host, Steph, on Wednesday mornings to chat about seasons, Sabbaths, and all new witchcraft topics to help you make your life more magical. Welcome back to Witch Wednesdays. I'm Steph, and you are listening to the monthly magic episode for the month of March, which is almost upon us. Uh, Very excited to have you here today and to chat a little bit about the month of March. And one of the things that is coming up this month is the Sabbath of Ostara. And rather than have a specific Ostara episode. I'm including a little bit of information in this episode, but mostly I will once again have the ebook over on Patreon. So if you are considering joining, it would be a great time to do so. Now on to the information for the month of March. The Romans named March Martius after the god Mars. Mars was the god of war and agriculture. And since March opened the season for both farming and fighting, they chose the god Mars, who was also protective of crops. The universal numerological number for the month is two, and that is a number of dualities and one that advises cooperation as the key to success. The tarot card for March is justice. And that is a card of balance and fairness, the idea of you know, treating people fairly, what goes around comes around, and is a fitting card for the month as Ostara is also all about balance. The sun is currently in Pisces. It will remain there until March 19th when it enters Aries. Pisces is a mutable water sign so that's dreamy energy full of creativity. And then we move into Aries. That is the start of the astrological year and also marks the spring equinox. The correspondences associated with March. Some of the crystals are aquamarine, jade, bloodstone, and jasper. The animals are cougars, whale, rabbit, and frogs. The flowers are daffodil and narcissus. And some of the deities, in addition to Mars, are Diana, Poseidon, Kuan Yin, Sedna, and Yamaya. Let's talk a little bit about the moon phases, but I am going to mention the lunar eclipse at the end. So March opens with a fourth quarter moon in Sagittarius. So could create some challenges to the start of the month. But then we are moving into a new moon in Pisces on the 10th. And that will have all of that Pisces energy that I mentioned. And then we have the full moon in Libra on March 25th. And that will be the first lunar eclipse of the year. And obviously a time for focusing on balance and harmony, all of that Libra energy. But let's talk first about holidays, and then I will mention that lunar eclipse at the end, since that comes towards the end of the month. All right, first up is March 10th, which might not seem like a holiday, uh, but it is still an important time and something that can be tapped into into your witchcraft practice, and that is the start of daylight savings time. So this is 
a time when there are energies that can be powerful that you can work with. And this is when the clocks jump forward one hour. So you're losing an hour. It's technically, it's, it's sort of as the not as fun one. Like the one in the fall is more fun because you go back, you gain an hour. This one is less fun. And in fact, you should be very careful because in the couple of days after the start of daylight saving time is the highest time for accidents in the morning because people are losing out on an hour of sleep and not used to it yet. So stay safe. The idea of daylight savings time is usually credited to Benjamin Franklin, who in, nine, in 1784 suggested the concept to the editor of the Journal of Paris um, that if people adjusted their schedules to wake up with daylight instead, they could save on the use of candles. But it was mostly a joke. And then in the 20th century, we actually implemented that. It, it had to do with a few various factor, factors that included conserving energy um, and making use of daylight during longer days of spring and summer that mostly had to do with the war. So during World War One and World War II, a lot of countries adopted daylight savings time as a way to save this energy. It has also been linked to the energy crisis in the 1970s that a lot of countries adopted it as a way to reduce energy consumption by you know extending that daylight into the evening and using less artificial light and heating which would theoretically save that energy so lots of different reasons and history uh, times of countries adopting it and abandoning it. So important to note that the reasons vary a lot and not all countries or regions observe it, not even here in the United States. Looking at you, Arizona. So obviously it is something that is very hotly debated, especially you know two times a year. And opinions on this are very mixed, but do feel free to, uh, to share in the comments how you feel about it. If you like it, or you think we should get rid of it altogether. In terms of your witchcraft, in addition to the heightened energies of this day, you can use that time change if you are up in the middle of the night for banishing. So if you are awake at 2 a.m., you can banish anything that you don't want in your life. We usually think of the term banishing as associated with spirits, but you can banish anything. You can banish you know, negativity, you can banish bad habits. So you can do that at 2 a.m. and then put your clocks forward and let that lost hour eat anything that you are trying to get rid of. So if if you are awake at that time, I don't personally plan on partaking in this bit of magic because I am not awake at 2 a.m. and I will go ahead and let my phone reset the clock itself automatically 2 a.m. and not have anything to do with me. But do let me know if you are somebody that is awake at that hour and you plan on banishing something at 2 a.m. But great time to do it. If there is something that's really important to you and you really need to get rid of something, you might make the effort to stay awake and do it on this day. Next up is something that's kind of fun. And one of the things that was thought to be March 16th or 17th, so that's why I'm talking about it here, a more historical festival, and that is Bacchanalia. And that is something that also happened multiple times a year. 
which it, this ancient Roman festival. But since one of them was around this time, I'm going to talk about it this time and not each of the next times it's going to come up throughout the year. But the term Bacchanalia refers to ancient Roman festivals dedicated to the god Bacchus, who was the god of wine, fertility, and revelry. The counterpart in Greek mythology that you might be a little more familiar with is Dionysus. And these festivals were characterized by wild hedonistic celebrations, excessive drinking, dancing, all kinds of indulgence. Um, so no wonder they wanted to do this a few times a year. The Bacchanalia were held in secret and often associated with mystery cults. And the participants, known as Bacchants or Bacchae, were typically women who engaged in ecstatic rituals to honor Bacchus. These rituals were seen as a way to connect with the divine, experience ecstasy, participate in the cycle of life, death, and rebirth that were all associated with this god of wine. And over time, Bacchanalia became notorious for this excess and the perceived immorality associated with that. So in 186 BCE, the Roman Senate passed a decree that was aimed at suppressing Bacchanalia due to these reports of like widespread misconduct, including allegations of conspiracy, criminal activity. Um, so it, the decree imposed like a strict regulation on the worship of Bacchus and the Bacchanalia were, it said like these festivals and festivities were brought under state control. So nowadays, the term Bacchanalia is sometimes more broadly used in modern language to describe any sort of wild or riotous celebration, often one that involves excessive drinking. So if you've ever heard that term before, that is where it comes from. And although it is not celebrated today on, you know, March 16th or 17th, it is still something that you could do, especially if you work with Roman deities. And then on the 17th of March, which I am going to bring up because it is more Bacchanalia than anything sort of religious, at least here in Chicago, and I will also say in Boston, and that is St. Patrick's Day. It is a religious holiday that is celebrated on March 17th, but it is also very much a cultural holiday. It commemorates St. Patrick, the patron saint of Ireland, who is credited with bringing Christianity to Ireland. And it's widely reserved, observed in Ireland and by people of Irish descent all around the world and celebrated on this day because it's believed to be the death date of St. Patrick, who is the patron saint of Ireland. It's, it has some religious significance um, as St. Patrick was you know, believed to have been a missionary, a bishop um, in the fifth century. He used the three-leaf shamrock to explain the concept of Christianity to the Irish people. So there is that aspect of it, but it is also very much a cultural celebration of Irish, you know, culture and heritage. So the parades, the music, the dancing, the traditional Irish food, wearing green clothing, or accessories, generally the colors of the Irish flag. And the color green, of course, is the hills of Ireland. Um, and you have this sort of 
celebration in cities of buildings and landmarks and even rivers being illuminated with green to mark the occasion. And I say that because it is really a huge holiday here in Chicago. We do dye the river downtown completely green, which makes me wonder why we can't dye it a normal nice blue the rest of the year because mostly it's disgusting. Um, but it is a cultural completely holiday here that most people celebrate even if they are not Irish and <laughs> there's there's most of the people celebrating here are not Irish you couldn't we couldn't possibly be have that many Irish descendants for all the people who claim that they are but don't need to be Irish or religious to celebrate this holiday it's a very popular one here and I know that uh, it is the same in Boston and I feel like there's a couple other cities that have these crazy parades and dying of rivers um, like we do if you do not want to celebrate St. Patrick and the religious aspects, you still can celebrate this as a secular holiday focusing on the cultural aspects and much more so just the Irish heritage, which has had such a great influence on a lot of the things that we have in witchcraft practices today. So much of the British and Celtic traditions went into Wicca and Wicca has influenced much of witchcraft today so even if you have more of a folk witchcraft practice a lot of it has come down through ancient celtic practices so if you wanted to tap into that energy on march 17th it would be an ideal time to do that and to just observe and honor um, the irish history and heritage on this day and right after that we is when we have ostara which is also known as the spring equinox. It is the modern pagan and Wiccan festival that celebrates the arrival of spring. And it's observed around the time of the vernal equinox, which is falls between March 19th and 21st in the Northern hemisphere. And then in the Southern hemisphere, it is between September 21st and 23rd. This year in particular, we do have it on March 19th. It's important to note that Ostara is one of those that's not always rooted in ancient traditions, but has sort of been developed and adopted more in modern pagan and Wiccan practices, uh, as opposed to some of the other ones like Samhain and Yule that have a lot of ancient traditions associated with them. This is one of those ones that is a little bit more modern. Again, not going to go into all of the details. Um, that will all be in the ebook over on Patreon. So that will have some history, some correspondences. I do lots of spells, rituals, recipes, tarot, all that stuff will be over there. But some key aspects to share is that, of course, it is, since it is associated with the spring equinox, that is a day when day and night are approximately equal length and marks the beginning of spring in the northern hemisphere and uh, obviously is a great time of balance because you're looking at that balance between day and night. It is also a time of rebirth because it is the rebirth and renewal of nature when plants begin to bloom, animals are waking up from hibernation, basically earth coming back to life. It is thought to be named after the Germanic goddess Auster, 
associated with spring and fertility, and austere is often depicted with symbols of hairs and eggs, both of which are fertility symbols. Again, symbols of new life, potential, reproduction, all of the things that are also associated with the spring season. So if you are going to be celebrating, great time for rituals and ceremonies that honor the change in season, gratitude for the return of life to earth, themes of balance, fertility, time to decorate with flowers, green, greenery, colorful eggs, dyeing eggs, all of those things that are associated with the Christian celebration of Easter are also very much derived from this celebration of Ostara. As one of the final holidays, we have Holi on March 25th. And Holi is a Hindu festival that is celebrated primarily in India and Nepal, although it has gained a lot of recognition and popularity in a lot of other parts of the world. Again, including here in Chicago, we have lots of Holi fests and celebrations here. It is referred to as the Festival of Colors due to the vibrant colored powders and waters that people are playfully throwing at each other during the festivities. Holi is a celebration of spring, marking the arrival of spring, end of winter, so it is very much a celebration of joy, exuberance, and people celebrating the renewal of life and nature. And of course, the colors are the biggest aspect of that. Um, and everybody sort of smears each other with all of these different colors and like the streets and everything. So it's a whole riot of vibrant hues. It's beautiful. There are also bonfires associated. And the night before holy, people traditionally gather where they have a bonfire where they burn an effigy of holika, the a symbolic energy of evil. And it symbolizes the significance of like the victory of good over evil. There are also a lot of Indian foods that are celebrated and consumed at this time, a lot of music and dance, um, just a big community and unity celebration. It does have a lot of religious history rooted in Hindu mythology, but can be observed as a cultural holiday as well. And it is celebrated on the last full moon day of the Hindu lunar month of Falguna, usually falling in February or March in the Gregorian calendar. So the exact date changes every year. But this year it is March 25th. And March 25th is also the first lunar eclipse of the year. And that is overnight on March 25th. Eclipses, of course, only take place during the full moon cycle. And it occurs when the earth comes directly between the sun and the moon and the earth's shadow falls on the moon. And this alignment results in like a temporary darkening of the moon's surface as the moon passes through the earth's shadow. There are a couple phases of a lunar eclipse. There's the penumbral phase when the moon enters the earth's penumbral shadow, causing like a subtle shading on the surface. There's a partial phase where a portion of the moon moves into the earth's shadow, which is more noticeable darkening. And then we have the total phase, which is the entire moon is within the earth's shadow, resulting in a total lunar eclipse. And then during this phase, the moon can sometimes take on a reddish tint due to the Earth's atmosphere, bending sunlight, casting it onto the moon, all science say things. 
Lunar eclipses are more common, of course, than solar eclipses and can be observed from anywhere on the nighttime side of the Earth where the moon is visible. The moon can often appear red, coppery, or orange, and it is referred to as a blood moon. Of course, the exact color, again, science depends on the atmospheric conditions on Earth that it's like the amount of dust and other particles in the atmosphere. Unlike solar eclipses, you don't need any kind of special glasses. They can be observed with the naked eye. And they last with the total phase, typically a few minutes to a little over an hour. As these lunar eclipses only happen during the full moon, it is a great time for spells and rituals associated with personal growth and spiritual development. So increasing your psychic ability, intuitive awareness, any sort of healing magic or rituals, particularly those that tie into women's health, fertility, reproductive health, any rituals that connect you closer with a deity, anything in general, just developing your magical skills would be ideal for this time. You will sometimes hear the thought that you should not do magic during the lunar eclipse and you shouldn't, you know, gather full moon water during, during the lunar eclipse because the energy is so much more heightened than a regular full moon. But I think that's, that's kind of the fun of working with a lunar eclipse. And I don't think the energy is you know, bad to work with or really chaotic or anything. Um, it is just heightened energy. And I think that if you have been listening to this podcast, you are well-versed already in working with energy and it should just be another fun aspect of your practice and not something to be afraid of. So I love to use it as sort of a cleansing day, like purify it myself. And then if there's anything that I need to get rid of, anything that's sort of like negative surrounding me, repel that during the eclipse. Given the entire shadow of the earth over the moon, it is also a great time for shadow work. So if you have anything that you need to work on and you need a little boost in that area, good time for that. But like I said, if you want to work with it and you like the like more intense energy, absolutely go for it. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't or you shouldn't uh, or let anybody scare you away from it. And again, if it is feeling too intense for you and it does feel draining, then you don't have to do anything. It is completely up to you, but I just don't want anybody to feel scared away from it when they're actually feeling called to work with it and to observe it. Because I think that eclipses are just I really inter interesting and like fun to watch. Um, so then to incorporate that into my magical practice as well, it's just like another added element of something that I find cool and I like it. Therefore, I want to work with it. So hopefully you feel the same. But that is everything that I have for this March episode. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out in the comments. And otherwise, I will see you all next week. Need even more witchcraft in your life? Subscribe to Witch Wednesdays on Patreon and YouTube for all types of exclusive bonus content like spells, recipes, book reviews, and more or even order personalized tarot readings and spells. Be sure to follow on Instagram at Witch Wednesdays Podcast. And you can find all these links and more at witchwednesdays.com. Oh,